Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us. Are you looking for a place where you get some practical and helpful tips on how to manage this crazy life and find balance in motherhood? Then we're here for you. Join us for all the raw and real girl talk right here. You're listening to All the Things. All the Things. All the Things with Chong and Beck. Hey, Becca. Hey. How are you? Oh my gosh, I'm doing good. I feel like it's been a thousand years since I've actually talked to you. Yeah. I How are things? Pretty good. Um, Pretty good. Yeah. Not. You guys a lot went on vacation. Happening. Mm-hmm. We went on vacation. That was a lot of fun. We spent our 10-year anniversary in Virginia. And that was the best. We love history. And there was a lot of history. And we went to go see where Brent grew up. And we saw a couple of friends while we were there. Um yes, so jealous. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And we're back hey. to normal. Um, yeah, just all the normal things. School will be done in a couple weeks. Kylia is finishing up dance this month and then softball, I think, this month or next month. And then it'll be summer. And so we're getting sad. And my mom, as you know, (laughs) my mom (laughs) is moving here to North Carolina and she will be my backyard neighbor. So we I will can't be- believe it. <laughs> I know. So both of our backyards share the same fence. Um, so that's happening. And Ashley guys are supposed to be getting their move-in date soon too. So good things. Fun things. Yeah. So many good things. Oh, yeah. All the good things. Oh, what about goodness. you? How um, was your Mother's Day? Yeah, it was good. It was good. We all we took family pictures and then went to lunch and had sushi. So it was good. It was really good. Uh, sushi is always good. Uh, yes, it was delicious. It made me so happy. Oh, yum. Yes, it was good. But yeah, other than that, I mean, really not. I'm not really anything new per se. Just lots, just lots of things. Mm hmm. Um, you started working again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you I liking to, that? Yeah, I tend to do that. I will just like jump back into things. Um, I'll say I'm never coming back. And then three or four weeks later, I'll think, oh, should I have left? And then I'm just back. Um, I think I'm a chronic worker. Like, I think I'm essentially inside a workaholic, but I'm also riddled with anxiety. So it's, it's very difficult. My poor husband. <laughs> well, I'm glad to say that because um, that is what we are talking about today. Yes. So just like preface all of this with for a really long time, I did not understand mental health. And I would say that I kind of still don't really understand it. Um, but it was for a long time. I don't understand it. And I don't really care to learn. And then obviously getting older and maturing a little bit, realizing that that's not really the attitude to have about it. Um, 
And so I think too, having friends that deal with anxiety and depression has helped me to understand that this is something that a lot more people deal with. And I wanted to do this because I know that you deal with that, Becca. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this is a safe space for me to be able to ask some questions with you knowing that I'm coming from a good place and trying to understand um, and kind of just seeing what I know everybody has their own struggles and everybody has their own road where they're dealing with this. But I kind of wanted to see where you were coming from and kind of I don't know, kind of what happened in your brain on a day-to-day basis. Um, Because I don't know, really, I guess they say that there is no rhyme or reason to why people get anxiety and depression. Is that true? Um, Yeah, yeah, usually. Um, It just depends. Anxiety and depression are very, very tricky things. Um, And I'm so glad that you said that. And I'm so thankful that you came to a point Um, where you can be honest and say that you didn't get it, but now, you know, you're more open to understanding it because yeah, so many people do deal with it. Um, depression itself. And I'm going to preface all of this with, I am merely just a medical assistant. I am in no ways a medical professional. So please don't come at the book, come at me with the book and throw the book at me because I am just going off of what I know and my own personal research and my own personal stories. Um, But depression has um, an interesting key to it in that a lot of the times it can be genetic. Um, And I think the simplest way I've ever seen it expressed is anxiety is feeling too much. You feel so much, so heavily, so intensely. And depression is where you don't feel anything at all, or you try not to feel anything at all. You go through a period where you're trying to just numb out. Um, And living with both, having that juxtaposition in your brain is really hard and it's tiring. Um, I do think that there is some beauty behind understanding your own anxiety and depression because I think that our minds are such beautiful vast things there's so much of our brain that we still don't even quite understand and don't even use so um I think understanding mental health and understanding why we experience the things we do is is really important and I think that it's helpful for us as a community and just in general. So what was your initial question? (laughs) No, no, no. I was just, yeah. So I do want you just to like talk and I do want you to just share your thoughts about it. Um, I like that you just explained with anxiety. It is, you feel all these emotions, but they're overwhelming emotions, right? Right. And then with depression, which I did not know this. So you just told me something. Depression is like, not feeling anything at all. I had no clue. I thought depression was like, you still like you have very like, negative emotions. Mm -hmm. And for some, it's not that it's just like not feeling anything at all. Like Mm -hmm. you're just like, kind of frozen. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. Depression can manifest in different ways for different people. And also a lot of people 
in society who have been labeled with being depressed can also have um, just a simple underlying hormonal imbalance. Just they, they need to get their hormones on track, which is something actually that I'm trying to do. I'm trying to heal my brain and my body from the inside out. So I'm trying to get my emotions in line and my hormones in line so that my hormones can help my emotions so that I can kind of create a better highway for my emotions to run on. Um, But yeah, for a lot of people, depression is just an overwhelming feeling of nothingness. And it doesn't always happen like that. But a lot of the times, like I said, it can be an underlying hormonal thing. It can be a hereditary thing. It can just be a seasonal thing or it can be a combination. And sometimes there's a lot of people who think that they might be depressed, but they could have what's called bipolar. And a lot of the times people can be very, very successful in life and still have bipolar episodes because a lot of people who have bipolar tendencies have what's called mania with it. Mm -hmm. And I know for a fact, I will have certain times where I go into like a mania mode where I just have a ton of energy. I cannot not focus. I'm hyper-focused on everything and anything. I want to have 15 things going on at a time. I want to complete them all. I'm in the process of completing them all. And then something happens and I switch and that depression kicks in and I cannot focus. I can't figure anything out. And it's really hard. Um, A lot of the times too, another thing that I love that we talked about is the Enneagram. A lot of the times I, with my Enneagram, I am a two. So I'm very people pleasing. I usually say yes when I should be saying no. So a lot of the times um, in my people pleasing zone, I will say yes to a lot of things and get myself really overwhelmed Mm -hmm. to where my anxiety is so high that then my depression kicks in because I kind of just go into hibernation and like safe mode where Mm -hmm. I don't want to think about anything and I just shut down. And obviously neither one of those things are good, but I think a lot of the key to managing your anxiety and depression is one, first and foremost, accepting that it's a part of you understanding if it's trauma related genetics hormones diet environmental all those things um if it's all of those things which some people have then you have to start in one place and work from there and so when do you you know what I so okay do you feel like you ever have anxiety and depression at the same time or do you feel like yes. one can just flow into it? okay so you can so that to me is interesting because if one is high and like high emotions and one is like very low emotions or none then that is how does that work are you just going back and forth yeah a lot of the times okay. it is it is back and forth and sometimes it just kind of feels like a wave like if you think about a wave when you're getting pulled down that's your depression and you're so in a state of just wanting exhausting. to freeze it. Oh, it's, it's unbelievably exhausting. But if you think about a wave, a wave pulling you in that's depression and then you peak and you start to curl and your anxiety builds and then it breaks 
and it's pulling you right back in. And that's exactly how it feels, at least inside my body. Yeah. What now, how old were you when you feel, when do you think this started for you? And when did you realize that that's what this was? Because I'm sure when it started, you didn't know immediately that that's what this was. Yeah. um, It's a little bit different for me. I think I kind of, I think I, well, I think I knew that I felt emotions differently because I had referenced once on our podcast when my Nana died, my dad's mom. I remember being at such a young age, very helpful and in tune with people's emotions and checking in with people that day, Mm -hmm. not prompted to just naturally. Mm -hmm. And from there, and I think I was only nine, I think, I don't know. I think I was only nine. Um, But I remember having anxiety by the age of 13. And that has been something that's affected my sleep clear until this day. And I'll be turning 33 next month. So for 20 years of my life, that's affected me. Um, But I think anxiety, like knowing that I had anxiety hit me in high school and knowing that I had anxious tendencies really hit me in high school. And then thankfully was brought to my attention by a school counselor and then depression. I kind of always, for me, it's more genetic. I've, I've been exposed to it my whole life. So I kind of always figured that if I was going to feel those things, that that's what it was. And I had a tendency to be prone to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I would probably say 13 is like when I really experienced knowing that my emotions were very, all over the place and extreme and high. And that's when it really started for me. Mm -hmm. So I know, and again, I'm going to come with this knowing that I'm completely naive. Um, For a long time, I thought depression was linked to suicidal or suicidal Mm -hmm. thoughts. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that true in your, in, in something, and I might be asking something very personal. Um, but is that something that you've dealt with or is it possible to have depression and not deal with those thoughts? So for me personally, um, and I, I'm really glad you brought that up because I feel like I see so many people who are depressed and need help outside, like actually need help from a physician, um, for depression, but because they don't have those thoughts, they think they're fine. Mm -hmm. Um, For me personally, I'm really, really lucky that I have never done that. I, I've experienced like such crazy depression where I've wanted to break, but it's never been to the point of like ever having those thoughts. And I do accredit that to growing up and living in faith and you know, knowing my savior and people might ask, well, if you do, then how come you have anxiety? And that is such a great freaking question. And I wish I had the answer, but I don't. Um, it could very well be that I'm just living out of alignment with what God wants for me. And until I give that over fully to him, I will always have anxiety. Um, but no, my depression has never come with those thoughts. And I'm super lucky for that. That 
I mean, that makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really glad that you haven't had those thoughts, but I do know sometimes people do, but that's good to know because again, I always just put the two together. If you yeah. have depression, then you must also sometimes have suicidal thoughts. So it's good to know that sometimes some people do have depression without those thoughts, but sometimes there are those that do. And obviously um, I think when you're talking about anxiety and depression, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think that there's different um, levels of it and there's different types. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, if there's one person could have certain thoughts and another would never have those thoughts. Um, so I think a lot of times that's another thing is like you just don't realize that there's different levels of how strong people have it, you know? Um, oh, yeah. And it's just, yeah, I, as I've told you before, um, I think Kylia deals with anxiety um, mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, and for those listening, Kylia is my daughter, if you don't already know, but she's seven. And at times we will go to do new things and she goes into full panic. Um, I've never been there. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what I'm doing. And when we initially get somewhere, she will go into full blown crying panic attack type episode um, and we really have to walk her through everything. If she starts mm -hmm. a new class with a new teacher, usually she's very, um, has a really hard time for a couple months until she gets used to it. If we start, you know, new dance or she's in dance or softball, the first softball game practice she went to, she just stood on the field and cried. Um, and so these are things that as a mom who doesn't understand, sometimes it's really hard. And so, I really wanted to ask you, do you have any tools for when, and I know that there is nothing that can just fix it. There's no way to just snap your fingers and go, okay, I'm fine now. But is there certain things ever that can cause it to come on for sure? I know you said when you were really focused on a lot, like saying yes to a lot of stuff, and then you become anxious. But is there anything else that has ever given you kind of a sign that this is something that could start coming on because you are doing X, Y, and Z? Um, yeah, most definitely. So for me personally, I know um, that certain things that bring up trauma for me or certain areas where I've experienced trauma, I will have anxiety. Um, also, personally, like certain health triggers are very big for me. So if I, um, you know, I love my coffee. I love caffeine. Um, because a lot of the times it helps with my ADHD, it helps me focus. But mm -hmm. if I have too much, my heart will race and I will go into a panic thinking that at any moment my heart can explode. And that's okay. all I'm fixated on. That's all I can think about. And I'll have to like count until my heart rate goes down and just chug water because I need to regulate my heart rate mm -hmm. um, for my daughter, because Kenley as well struggles with those things. Um, and I feel a lot of guilt because I do feel like it's genetic and like she's pre-exposed to this and it's all of our fault, but I'm choosing to focus on the beauty that can come out of anxiety and depression and having those things. Mm -hmm. um, it's a learning experience for me 
being a mom who has anxiety and depression and having to mask those things and be the strong person and to be the counselor to get her out of those things mm-hmm. is a blessing for me. But also it's a working progress for me to walk through it with her because it's in a, some way healing, hoping that I do help her and can get her through it and give her tools that I needed myself. Mm-hmm. So with Kenley, same thing. New things are very difficult. Um, we do have to walk her through a lot. Um, but when she's in her panics and her hysterias, I do have to get down to her eye level and be in that moment with her and let her know. Cause I never want to tell her, get it together or snap out of it. Because if she could do those things, she would have, mm-hmm. um, she's, she's not feeling these things for the flare. She's feeling these things and not wanting to feel them. Mm-hmm. So I have to let her know like, okay, I'm in this moment with you. We're in this together. What exactly are you feeling? And I have to tell her, like, you need to use your emotion words. So I need to know what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And then we just go back from there. So then I have to ask her, like, okay, how can we make these feelings better? And we actually started um, a book that I was wanting to let you know about as well. Um, It's called, and I'll tell you who the author is, but it's called Lies Girls Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. And it's from Dana Grease, Dana Gresh, Gresh, G-R-E-S-H. And that has been such a blessing. We read a chapter every night and it's designed for preteens and teens. Mm -hmm. And it talks about your feelings and it talks about the lies that we get from society and social media and all the things. And the truth, which is, of course, the word of God and how we use that to set ourselves free from those things. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite references that now I start to use with Kenley is instead of using the words emotions or anxiety or fear or whatever, she calls them sticky feelings. And the way she expresses it is what sticky feelings are you having that are sticking to you that make you think about them all the time every day? Mm-hmm. So when she has those moments, I try to walk her through it by asking her, okay, which sticky feeling is sticking to you the most right now? And what truth can we use to break that bond and put that away from us? And that's how I help her get through those things. So that book has been really good to us. I'm like, you're going to text that book to me because I would absolutely love to. Yeah, I for sure. I know for me, I need help in the area just because we try to talk her through what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, we're going to go here. This is what it's going to look like. This is what you're going to need to do, like, right. or whatever it is. And um, we try, but she does get, she still will get really upset and start crying. And when she's in those high emotions, it's hard to have a conversation with her. Right. Um, and so these, the ways that you were talking Kenley through, Mm-hmm. her emotions is this ways that you talk to yourself in your head as well um a lot of the times yeah I do have to have those moments with me to um calm myself down and to keep and to to figure out where this originated from because a lot of the times anxiety is 
tiny little things, which is so funny. It's really tiny triggers throughout your day that Mm -hmm. become such big emotions. So those emotions are so big, they take, they take you over and they consume you. But if you can start peeling it off little by little, you can help figure out where your triggers are coming from Mm -hmm. to help yourself navigate where your anxiety is starting. So that's a lot of the, the stuff that I'm trying to work on with Kenley because she is the same exact way. She will get into hysterics where I can't talk to her. And it's frustrating as a parent because the last thing you, like the first thing you want to say is, I can't freaking talk to you. You need to get yourself together. And when you have yourself together, you come talk to me. Yeah. And that's and that, me as a mom, which is yeah. not the best, which is why totally so many times I pay attention to how you talk to Kenley, which I think you do freaking amazing. I've seen you have conversations with her and I'm just like, dang girl, where do you even come up with this stuff? But, <laughs> Thank you. but, um, yeah, you're right. They just are, sometimes you're just so in it. It's really hard mm-hmm. to get out of it. Yeah. And honest to God, especially for children, a lot of adults too. Um, but especially for children, they really just want to know that they're not experiencing these things alone because anxiety, even though it is so much, if you're the only person feeling it, it can be isolating. So Mm -hmm. just having a lot of the times with Kenley, I have to tell her, look, you are at hysteria and I make my hands into a mountain. So it looks like the tip, like we're not Mm -hmm. going anywhere from here. We're at the top. And I'll tell her like, I'll put my hands in a mountain and say, you are at hysteria I am here in this moment with you, but I cannot communicate with you until you've calmed yourself down. So I will sit with you until you're ready. And when you're ready, you let me know. And then Mm -hmm. we start over because the last thing I want to do is leave her and make her feel isolated in her emotions because that's not going to help her get through it. She will have to eventually, but those are skills that I'm hoping to build while we're working through these processes, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And I'm just sitting here like, oh, man, I mess up all the time because I'm like, you're freaking out. You need to go sit somewhere. Like, <laughs> and you I know can't what? do this with you right now. You yeah. need to go to your room yeah. until yeah. you calm down. So, and you know, all right. you are not alone. Not, you are no. not alone. <laughs> yeah, but you are not alone. And you know what? The fact that you even care enough to ask somebody and sit down and have the hard talks, that is such an amazing thing and you should be so unbelievably proud of it I'm so proud of you for doing it and it's it's just such a good thing and I really really appreciate you being honest and having this conversation because I hope that it blesses a bunch of people um I'm hoping this will help even if it's just so people feel that they're not alone right you know what I mean because I don't think that people need to feel like they're alone, you know? Right. So totally. Um, I wanted to ask because you've, you've, t- you've touched on a couple, but what tools do you use when you are having your anxiety? And mm. then what tools do you use when you're having depression? And they may be the same tools that you use for both times, but I'm figuring that it's out of it. And is that something that just takes time no matter what you do or because you you get out of it quicker 
or I don't know. So please tell us what tools you personally use. I'm sure there's many that other people do as well, but what do you use? And then tell us, does that help you to get out of it sooner or is it just something that helps you to get through it? Yeah. Um, so for me personally, with my anxiety, um, I have different forms. My anxiety comes in different ways. That's the best way to explain it. So if I'm having a physical anxiety attack where my heart rate is elevated, um, I feel like almost hypoglycemic. If you've ever experienced that, Mm -hmm. um, I feel that way, but constantly it doesn't change with anything. It takes a very long time. If I'm having a physical reaction like that, the best tool that I use is one, of course, telling someone because I'm in a panic and I feel like I'm going to die. Um, and I want some, I guess I just want someone with me if I'm going to die, which I never do. Yeah. I never do, but I do that. And then I do, um, the technique of picking like five things that I can see physically. So like, okay, the blanket in front of me is a beautiful yellow and that sign over there is a beautiful red. I can see, you know, my, dresser I can do that and then I'll touch things so like okay what am I touching I'm touching the base of my bed it's a different texture than the carpet over here and then I'm touching this and it's different and while I do that I try to breathe and then one of the best tools that I use is if I'm really having a bad anxiety attack I'll have to lay down and I put my hand I put one hand on my heart I put one hand on my stomach and I just give myself permission to breathe Because when I'm in a really bad anxiety attack, I don't, I take shallow breaths. I just like that, like I'll constantly Mm -hmm. be taking shallow breaths. So I give myself permission to breathe any way that I'm feeling in that moment. And then I tell my mind to work on deep breaths so that I can slow my heart rate down. And once I get there, then I tell myself to focus on 2x breaths so that I can calm my mind down and focus on another, use a different part of my brain. So I'll do that. And usually it takes me a moment, but that's what I like to do. Um, If I'm having an anxiety attack where it's just my racing thoughts, I really have to physically, like inside, grab my bootstraps and tell myself what's real and what's not real. Am I having anxiety about the future? I have to remind myself that I don't hold the future, that only God can control the future. God knows my future. God has a plan for me. And regardless of how I feel in this moment, that's not going to change what God has set in motion for me. So I need to relax. I need to meditate on some scripture and I need to calm my mind and focus on something else. And if that means I have to be anxious to make a hard decision, then I have to make that hard decision, but I have to be courageous enough to make that decision. So that's normally the two ways that I, depending on what I'm having at that moment, that's what I will do to get myself out of those things. Okay. And like, you're talking about like focusing on five things in your room and touching things. Is that to bring you to the here and now? What is the purpose of that? Yeah. That's to bring me out of this idea that I'm so focused on that's so extreme, that's not reality right now. It's I'm having a symptom that's causing me that fear that I'm anxious about. And so thinking about those other things brings me back into the present of what's really around me and what's really 
tangible. Okay. And then what do you do for depression? Do you do the same? Um, to be honest, with my depression, I just isolate. So okay. a lot of the times my pattern will just change. Um, whether it be how many times I'm on social media. And a lot of the times with my depression, I have to put down my social media to get mm-hmm. out of it. Um, so with my depression, sometimes I'll get very grumpy. Mm-hmm. If I get really grumpy, I tell myself it's time to snap out of it and you need to start going over gratitude. And I'll either take a walk with the girls or I will just sit on the floor Like yesterday, I was having a really hard day, and so I needed to do something, but my coffee machine was broken. I didn't really want to go get coffee, so I sat down with Kennedy and played with her and played with her trains and just thought about all the things that I was thankful for while I did that, Mm -hmm. and then I took a nap and got some sunshine, and it was so much better, (laughs) and that's typically what I'll do. Usually, if I'm in a depression, I'll have I check in with my body first, like, Well, what's happening? Well, for me at that particular moment, TMI, I had started my cycle. So I knew that Mm -hmm. day my body needed rest and my body needed to be recharged from the inside. So I did, I rested when the girls rested and I drank water and I went outside and then I really just treated myself to something that I really wanted and it was much better. And I Mm -hmm. gave myself a good night and I was able to feel good. I got up this morning, went to work and it was much better, but I was pretty grumpy today. And I don't think that had to do with either one of those things. I think it was just hormonal. Mm -hmm. Now, when you are, when you have depression or anxiety or both, and then you're able to get yourself out of it for however long it lasts, because I'm sure there's different, like sometimes it can last. What? How long does it usually last when you're in those? Um, And I'm sure it's different all the time. So I guess tell us when is like the shortest amount of time and when's the longest amount of time. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, A lot of the times it's kind of just situational. Um, I think with Kennedy, it was like I felt depressed for like almost a year and that was hormonal. Um. But really, I have to say now that you're asking me and I'm actually thinking about it, um, I think it is really just kind of with my cycle, like cyclical with my cycle um, leading up to it. And it's really, it comes and goes really quickly. It's maybe like a day or two. Mm -hmm. Um, But lately, I think my depression has been so heightened and so quickly ignited by how much time I'm spending on social media. Mm. And it's, it's so hard to say that because you and I both run most of our lives on social media due to our businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, And social media can be such a great thing But when you do have anxiety and depression and you're in a funk and you're not getting really like anything from anyone or it doesn't feel genuine or it's just not there at all, it can be really taxing on your emotions, regardless of it. I think if you have depression or anxiety, I think if you're just a human, it could be very taxing on you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've noticed lately just saying combination of saying yes to so many things and expecting so much of myself and trying to be so perfect for everyone all the time in every aspect, my depression has been so much higher. So Mm -hmm. with that, it makes it really hard to be creative and to do things online when you have depression. So um, one of my things that I was trying to do, but of course, I got depressed and I didn't do it (laughs) Um, was I try to do a lot of my content like in one day. Mm -hmm. Um, But then if you're an anxious person, you get into that compare despair. So you think like, Oh, I shouldn't have planned all that because this is happening and this is coming up and this is trending. And I could have jumped on this, but I didn't. And now nobody's interacting with my content and it was really a waste and I wasted my time and I did all this and I could have been spending it with my family And so that's kind of like what it's like in my brain most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's just really tricky. Yeah. Well, it does sound like you (laughs) do deal with a lot of hormonal if it's coming around the time of your monthly cycle. Then that does sound like it's definitely hormonal. Um, And that's kind of hard because it's like you can't I mean, none of it can you can control. It just happens. Right. Um, and I like what you said. I no, I don't like what you said, but you said <laughs> that when you had Kennedy, you dealt with depression for a year. And um, I knew you. Yeah. Like right when Kennedy. And so um, I didn't notice that you were depressed. And so let's talk about that for a second. How just because someone is depressed doesn't mean that you can notice it or that they seem like it because you guys are pretty good at covering it up, aren't you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's one of the things I think moms and females in general who struggle with depression without acknowledging that they struggle with it are very good at hiding it. Um, I think it's mostly a society thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, nobody cares. Nobody cares. If I'm being honest, everybody has things going on. Everybody has a life. We all have bills to pay. We all have kids. We all have to get groceries. We all have these things. Nobody really cares. If you're depressed, you need to be there for your kid. And if you're not, you're a really terrible bomb. And I think like having that pressure makes it even easier to fall into depression because you Mm -hmm. get into a mode where you have a mask constantly Mm -hmm. that you don't even realize you've put the mask on. And And you're you're never dealing with the root. You're never dealing with the root issue and you're not taking time to do what needs to be done to get out of it because you constantly are just having to cover it up. Yeah. 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 And so my advice, is any mom who is struggling with depression or anxiety, if you need a champion, always reach out. My Instagram is my name, Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H, G as in girl. You reach out, you talk to me about it, we get through it. But also you have to understand that you have to become very, very courageous. Because you have to accept that you are depressed or are struggling with depression. 
you have to be courageous enough to want to change it. And you have to be courageous enough to set boundaries because if you don't set boundaries for yourself, then you're not going to succeed. You'll Mm -hmm. always fall back, if not worse, into depression. And I have actually been able to get out of my depressive states so much quicker. They may come a little bit more often because I'm taking on a lot of things and I'm getting myself into that destructive cycle. But I'm able to say, hey, this is not good for me and this isn't good for my mental health. So I need to change that. Mm -hmm. And you will have to set boundaries with your family and say, look, on this day, this is my me day. And you have to understand that you cannot feel guilty for taking a me day. And if that me day is talking to a friend, getting coffee, or going to a therapist, or doing a yoga class, or getting a massage, you have to be courageous enough to know that society does not dictate your family and that nucleus. And if you let it, it's only going to crumble. So you have to be courageous enough to stand up for your mental health because nobody can do it for you. You can't do it for me and I can't do it for my daughter, but I can be in those moments and help her and give her tools to get out of them. But she has to choose and be courageous enough to get out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Cause I mean, obviously we always talk about self care and it's so important, but I think especially if you're dealing with something like this, you have to make self care a priority. Otherwise right you just can't function at all. Right. And at I'm some so- point, everything comes to head. You can't keep pushing it away. You can't yeah. keep ignoring it and you can't keep putting a mask on and pretending that everything's okay forever. You have, at some point you have to do something to take care of yourself or you crash. Right. And I'm so happy that you brought that up because somebody uh, posted something that was absolutely perfect. They posted that self-care is not just manicures and bubble baths. Sometimes self-care has to be shadow work. And I think it was, uh, I think it was you and uh, you, me and Cheryl, when we were talking about shadow work and we were like, I don't know what that means, but I kind of did know what that means. And then I looked into it more and shadow work is basically understanding your trauma, understanding who you are as a person and working through those things. So Mm. sure you can do quote unquote self-care every Monday, Wednesday, and you can take your bubble bath. But if you're not healing, and if you're not Mm -hmm. checking in with yourself, and if you're not having mental check ins with yourself. um, And what's so funny is I say having mental check in check ins with yourself. I got that from you. Because when you and me and Zach were somewhere, I forgot where we were, or maybe it was when we were at the bounce place. But you were you said, I have to have talks with myself a lot and you were like I told myself I am going to make the best of Utah and I'm going to get out there and you know all those things all that beauty sprung from that and it was really in that moment that I decided you know what I'm going to do that too and I'm going to do this on a self-care journey and I'm going to do the hard work and it's been a long journey and there has been a lot of hard work and a lot of shadow work (laughs) that I've been dealing with But truly, I mean, self-care really does start with yourself. And it's not just 
taking time for yourself is taking time to look inside yourself and make sure mm-hmm. that your heart and your soul and your body are aligned all together. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you just explained that for sure. Um, I want you to tell us for friends mm-hmm. like me, someone who's trying to understand um, what is the best way that we can support you and that we can be there for you? I know that at times some of this, you you just go through it on your own and sometimes you just have to, and sometimes you prefer to, but mm-hmm. as friends that are on the outside looking in, what is the best way that we can be there for you? Um, and not I just think- when you're in your anxiety and depression. Right. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think you have to really, if you, I think you have to be really intentional, what it comes down to. I think you have to be really, really intentional about your friendships. And if you know, someone is depressed or anxious, just check in and be there. Mm -hmm. If they're depressed, and they isolate like me. And if you see that my patterns, like you notice I'm in isolation, just check in, say, Hey, thinking about you. Is there anything you need to talk about? And Mm -hmm. a lot of the times we're going to say, no, we're fine. But having that sometimes takes us out of it and makes us realize, Oh, I have been isolating. And it Mm -hmm. just brings to light. One of the best things I ever heard, the quotes that I love the most is that shame grows in the dark. So Mm -hmm. if you're kind of ashamed of your depression or you get into a shameful space, you'll want to isolate. And the only way that those feelings can grow is in the dark. So you don't have to push, you don't have to press, but just saying, hey, like I'm there. If you happen to have, if you're in it with your friend in an anxiety attack, the only thing and best thing you can do is just let them know, I'm here for you. I'll be in this with you. And then ask them, how can we move out of this? Because I think one of the hardest and most difficult things with depression and anxiety is when you have anxiety, the worst thing ever is when people tell you, just relax, just relax. We all know that that's not helpful. And then also, if you have an an issue with your mental health, it's kind of, I think, I think no matter what, if we're all really, really honest, our anxiety and depression do stem a lot from trauma. And anytime you're in a traumatic thing, in a traumatic moment, the worst thing that can happen, like if I'm having an anxiety attack, is for somebody to say, oh my God, I totally get it. get anxiety all the time. My anxiety attacks are terrible. I feel like this, 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 and this. Like, that's the thing that I've learned with my daughter. Mental health is such a process, but not acknowledging the place that people are in by talking about yourself is probably one of the most harmful things. It's Mm. how I feel as well with trauma. I think one of the most triggering things with trauma when you're expressing trauma is for somebody to say, Oh, I know I went through that too. And I get a lot of the times people think, well, I'm helping because I'm sharing my experience. But if somebody never asked for that, then you're not really sharing You're just shoving it on someone. Mm -hmm. And when they're experiencing and expressing their trauma, telling them about another trauma doesn't do anything to help heal the current situation. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. And I, 
I think that that was so very important for you to say just now. Because <laughs> I think that that happens a lot. I'm pretty sure that at times I have been that person. And I know like you're coming from a good place and you just want someone to know that they're not alone. But right. I'm glad that you said that because sometimes we do things that we don't mean to harm others, but we right. are by what we're right. doing. It's just like when you're talking to a pregnant mom and you're trying to tell her your birth right. story was freaking traumatic. It is so right. messed up. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> don't do that, you know? A hundred percent. I, I agree, but I like what you said is if it wasn't asked. Now, if someone is like, I'm dealing with this and whatever, whatever, and they ask you your opinion or how you dealt with something or do you have any, you know, tips or anything like that, then that's an open time yep. for you to share. But yeah, if yep. you're not asked, you don't need to tell, just be there. Um, there's this book that we got sent from Imagination Library, I think it's called, it's the Dolly Parton books that she sends to kids. Oh, nice. And um, one of the books that we recently got was, I don't remember the title of it, but it's this um, bunny, I think it's a bunny, and he's really upset. He went to build this, or maybe it was a kid. It was a kid. He went to go build this tower, and the tower fell down, and he was so upset about the tower. And there's different animals that come in. One says, let's just laugh and be happy. Like, it, you can mm -hmm. build another one. And another one's like, let's just sit and cry. And another one's like, let's scream <laughs> and be mad and make someone pay for it. And, you know, all these emo different animals are coming in telling this kid what to do. And the kid's just sitting there and he's crying and this bunny comes and hops up to him and sits with him and just sits Aww. and doesn't say anything. And eventually the kid tells the bunny how he feels and Aww. wants a hug and wants to cry and wants to laugh and wants to be angry. And then after he goes through all his emotions, because this bunny just sat there and didn't expect anything from him. Then the kid goes, I want to build another tower. I have this awesome idea. And oh reading God, that book that. with my kids, because again, I'm not the best at emotions. I'm I, I'm going to say that I struggle. I struggle with having empathy. I struggle sometimes with compassion. And I struggle with emotions with my kids. And reading this book, I was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. Just being there, the bunny just being there, this kid went through all the emotions he needed to go through. He just needed somebody to be there. Right. And I think that a lot of times when someone is dealing with something like mental health or any other avenue, sometimes they just need someone to say, hey, I'm checking on you. Are you okay? And if you say that you're okay, I checked in and I'm like, I'm here if you need me. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I did that with you when we were dealing with you having Kennedy and the emotion oh, yeah. was like, are you okay? And you're like, yeah. yes, I said, if you want to talk about it, I'm here. And when yeah. you were ready to talk about it, I was there to listen. But yep. to make someone try to go through something that they're not ready to go through with you is right. being pushy and it's kind of being selfish. So sometimes the best thing is just to say, I'm here for you when you're ready. You know, right. so I, I yeah, I'm really glad you said that. Um, we are coming to a close, but Becca, yes. is there anything that you want to just put out there before we say goodbye to everybody? Um, oh my goodness. No, not really. I just hope that this was helpful to somebody somewhere, somehow. It was helpful I... to me. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> Boom. Done. I'm so happy. Yeah. I just want women to take back their mental health on their own 
I'm really tired of seeing society paint mental health in such a way that women are supposed to hide it or if they express it, they're crazy. So um, you're not crazy and you have every right to feel the things you feel. Just make sure that your feelings are grounded and that your mind and your heart are grounded. And that's, that's really it. Well, I so appreciate you being open and honest with us and being willing to have this conversation. Um, I know you had mentioned something about it really quick. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, yes, let's talk about that. Because I've always felt stupid for even asking the questions and trying to dig because I always feel like I don't want to push someone. I don't want to push mm-hmm. someone to feel like they have to talk about something they're not comfortable talking about. But with you, I know that I can just say, hey, Becca, how do you feel about sharing this? And if you don't want to share it, you're going to say I'm not in the place to share it. Yeah. So um, I would, I really appreciate that you came on here and you talked about this because there, I'm sure there's so many people that are going through the same boat as you. And just to hear that they're not alone is great. Maybe they took some tips from what you shared, which I would absolutely love if someone was able to do that. And then there's people like me who just don't get it. And we want to understand um, because we have people around us that are dealing with it. I mean, all I have, you are my close friend and you deal with it. And I have other friends that deal with it. And then my daughter, I see it happen here. And so trying to understand and get tools and all of that is something that I appreciate. So thank you so much for being open and honest with us. And I really hope that everybody enjoyed this episode. Again, if there's any ideas you guys have that you want us to talk about, please let us know because we are open to taking all of your opinions and thoughts and running with them. Um, And we love you guys for supporting us and listening to us. I know Becca sometimes gets messages from people about listening. I recently just got some messages from people that have been listening and it makes us happy because we started this because we wanted to help others and we wanted to share our story and feel like others should be able to share their stories as well. So um, we love you guys. Follow us on Instagram at all the things with C and B and please subscribe to this channel, share with your friends and family, and we will see you next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye.